Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. Welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway, where you'll learn the keys to building a profitable speaking business from speaking industry pros. Each week, we interview a great guest who will share his or her speaking journey, identify what their keys to success have been, and highlight some critical mistakes they've made along the way that you'll want to avoid. Be sure to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet this week's guest. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Spotlight on Speaking show with Brett Ridgway. And my guest today is David George Brooke, who is known as the Gratitude Guy. He's an accomplished speaker, coach, and best-selling author with a career spanning over 25 years. With over 30 years of experience managing the corporate world, including as a former Nordstrom store manager, Brooke has established himself as an expert in the field of gratitude. He's the author of several published works, including That Gratitude Guy's Daily Gratitude Journal, Monday Morning Minutes, and Six Word Lessons to Embrace Gratitude, among others. He is passionate about sharing the wonders of a gratitude mindset and has presented over 850 speeches and workshops in the past nine years, including over 150 virtual presentations in the last 18 months alone. His expertise in gratitude has earned him recognition in Forbes and Costco Connection Magazine, and he frequently travels nationally and internationally to deliver his important message. Brooke is also a proud father of two sons whom he affectionately refers to as his rock star sons. I have two of those myself, George. <laughs> as a YouTube influencer, Brooke has over 1,800 gratitude videos on his channel, and his message has been viewed by thousands of people. He is now considered a leading authority on how living a life of gratitude can enhance and improve both personal and professional lives. Welcome, David George Brook, to the Spotlight on Speaking show. Brad, thank you so much. I'll tell you, I'm always honored and touched and appreciative of these opportunities because to me, it's all about spreading the message of gratitude and what it can do to enhance somebody's life, as it said in the bio. But it just can it can make such a big difference when you get an attitude of gratitude. So those two sons that you're proud of, how old are they now, sir? They are 39 and 29. And I just feel so blessed because, as I, as you heard, I do call them my rock star sons. I have some friends in my world that have some children that have issues and at risk and so forth. And I think, how did I get so fortunate? It's I used to bring this up in talks, but their mother died when they, my wife died when they were young. They were four and 14. And so I raised them myself and they just... I just marvel at both of them. They both have great careers. They both have side gigs. My older son has a wife and two children, my two grandchildren. My younger son's about to get engaged down in San Diego where he works for a big high-tech company. So I, I keep a block of wood handy to knock <laughs> on, on a pretty regular basis because I feel so fortunate to have such two great children. Well, I, I, I feel a similar fortune type situation i have three children actually one daughter and two sons and they're all 
in their 30s now, but you know they they've turned into fine. I say I still say young adults compared to you and I, yeah. you know, with good careers and a couple grandchildren now. So yeah, there's a there's certainly a lot to be thankful for. So that's you bet. So first question for you, Dave, is I mean you were a Nordstrom store manager, so that's that's a long way away from being a a public speaker or whatever. So. You know, illuminate me a little bit on the journey from being a store manager. I think you were a corporate headhunter at some time or whatever. Right. How do you yeah. get from A to B to C in, in, in your well, that's That's a good question, Brett. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll do the backstory, which will have it make at least a little bit more sense. When I was 19, I graduated from high school and I went off to the University of Washington. And, I, and this teacher asked me to come and do a talk to his class at a high school in town about being successful. So I went and, and I was, as I said, I was 19. I went and I did the talk about 20 minutes and I got in my car heading back to the University of Washington. And I thought, that's what I want to be someday as a motivational speaker. And I thought, I just, I just, the reaction I got from the kids and everything was just great. Well, as we have found so often, and I coach people on this too, guess what happens? Life gets in the way. So I went ahead <laughs> I was in, I was working in retail and I was working at the bookstore and then I worked at a fancy clothing store and then later at Nordstrom and then later at Lowe's as a store manager as well. And I had this very pivotal point. It happened to be December 23rd, 2013, when I was, I was working at Lowe's and I quit and I came home and my now Connor, who's now 29, was 17 at the time. And he's sitting at the couch. It's about two in the afternoon. He says, what are you doing home? And I said, well, I quit. And he goes, you quit working at Lowe's? And I said, yeah. And he goes, you quit being a store manager? And I said, yeah. He says, well, what are you going to do now? I said, well, I'm going to be a speaker. And <laughs> he looks up from the couch and he goes, well, that's just super dad. <laughs> and so so much said, for a raging endorsement, huh? <laughs> exactly. Didn't quite get it. And he says, I have a question for you. What are we going to do for food? And I said, well, don't worry. So, but I'd always wanted to be that speaker since that time in 1969. But it's, and I've met a lot of people who have been down the same road where you're always going to be this or that, but you never quite do it. And life gets in the way, careers, families, changes, things like that that happen. But it was always in the back of my mind and it never left me. And so that's what started the journey. And then as I got into the speaking, at some point, because Dana, my wife, had passed away and a lot of other negative things had happened, I thought, I need something that's going to be my topic. And a friend of mine said to me, have you ever have you ever gotten a gratitude journal? And I said, I have no idea what that is. And he says, well, it's a journal you write in every day about what you're grateful for. So I tried it, made a huge difference, later published my own and other books, as you heard in the bio. But it was just amazing that I thought, wow, now I want to be a speaker. Now I have my topic. Now it's something that's going to help people. And so that's what launched the career and started me talking or speaking, I should say. And I started like a lot of people do, going to rotaries and chambers and Lions, Kiwanis and all those places to speak for free. And that's what really got me going. And so it was, but it was just, it's so neat. But so I was 63 at the time. I'm 73 now. That's late to start in a career when most people are retiring. And so one of the things I encourage in different modules that I teach is it's never too late. 
you know, there's so many people. Colonel Sanders is my hero. He started KFC at 63, you know, and all these people, Ray Kroc and Mary Kay Ash and JC Penny, they were all in their 50s when they started their company. So it's never too late. And I really make a point of encouraging people. And I'm a living example of that now, 10 years later, where it's been the best 10 years running a Nordstrom store, running a Lowe's store. Those things were great, especially Nordstrom and you fly around in corporate jets and that type of thing. But there's nothing like having people tell you that you changed their life after they listen to you talk. And so I just feel very blessed to have figured out how to do this and had the guts to do it. So did you look at other topics as possibilities for what you wanted to speak on before you settled on the gratitude? Yes, is, is because I think the gratitude thing was so universal, it really worked out well. But I thought about some of the ones that I think were sort of hot topics. Leadership is always a good one. Work-life balance, uh, time, uh, time, life, time, work-life balance, I should say. But also just healthy things about how to take care of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally. But when I saw what gratitude was doing for me and how much the gratitude journal helped, I really decided that's going to be my topic and I'm going to I'm going to show people all the way I've gone I've spoken to junior high schools where they're probably 14 15 up to a lot of senior centers when they're early to late 80s to early 90s and it appeals to everybody so it really turned out to be a great selection and probably the most important thing of all is how much it helped me I walk off the stage sometime and I'm so fired up after one of my talks. I think, I don't know if it's more for the audience or more for me, because it reminds me every time I talk about it, what gratitude can do for you. Because one of my, my favorite sayings, Brett, is gratitude turns what you have into enough. And it's really about how you focus on something. So it just, it turned out to be a great choice for my topic. You know, it's an interesting analogy. There's the analogy that, you know, a good sign of a cook is when they they will eat their own food. So a good sign of a speaker yeah. is when they're motivated by their own, own speech, I guess. <laughs> huh? Yeah, exactly. It sounds kind of funny, but just hearing those words, and, and it's also, too, it's like there's something about somebody said to me once, well, why don't you just go speak to a wall? You don't need an audience. But there's something about that feedback, that reaction, those nodding heads, those those people that are smiling and 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 just raising their hand or giving you a thumbs up or whatever it might be. So, but yeah, it really, really has been helpful. And over the time, that's it's really got to me to be a lot more educated on how gratitude works, not only just from a standpoint of listening to those words, but physically helping you and giving you better sleep and better energy and all sorts of less toxic emotions like envy and envy and resentment and things like that go down and the better emotions rise up. So it really, really, uh, it helped me to learn just that much more about it. So I'm, I want to go off on a slight sidebar here, David, and that is, I mean, in the information marketing world, which I come out of, you have what you call hard topics and, and soft topics. Hard topics are how to make money in real estate or on the internet or whatever. Soft topics are relationships, gratitude would certainly fit into that category, et cetera. So how did let's say, the pandemic and the whole corporate speaking world change for you because you have what we would call a soft topic versus a hard topic? And how, you know, how did you bridge that gap, so to speak? Well, I'll tell you, it's interesting that for all of us, we all have our kind of our pandemic stories. And I believe it was March of 2020 is roughly when it started. 
And to start with, it was, I had 10 or was it 12? I forget 10 or 12 talks that all got canceled immediately because everybody sort of felt the world was coming to an end. So I had ones planned for April, May, June into later 2020 that all got canceled. And I got one or two back, but I never got them back again. So it, it was, and then being the soft topic, I think is, is interesting, the hard topic too, but more than anything, as you and I are talking on Zoom, Zoom, honestly, Brett was what really saved me. Because as you heard in the bio, I did 150 talks over that two-year period, and I don't know what I would have done without Zoom. And it's so it's so important to be in person, and people come up afterwards, and they talk to you, and they come to my book table, and can I give you a hug, and they want to take pictures with their kids, and they want to buy more journals and all that. So all that was gone. And so I found much the same way, again, you and I are doing the uh, talk on Zoom. I got really good at like, give me a thumbs up, give me a high five. And being, hey, look at that. I love that blazer Brett has on. What a great looking sports coat. You know, and just really trying to get the engagement. So it really, without that, I'm not sure how it would have worked. But now, in fact, now after the fact, people ask me, which do you like better? Do you like Zoom or virtual versus in person? And really the answer is both because it, it as Zoom improved and all the virtual workspaces improved, it's interesting. There's, I love to go down. I've got to talk next month in Vegas and there's a big convention center and all that kind of thing and all the people and all that's really great. But also I have a map of the US and a couple of Canada and Mexico on here that all have little stickers, all the places I've done virtually. Uh -huh. That I can't, I just, and I'm still just in my condo looking out at Lake Washington here in Seattle, and I've got my latte and I'm ready to go do my talk, and I never have to leave the condo. So, you know, you don't have to go to the airport and get the Uber and all that. So, it really it impacted me. But I also think another word that came out, which was very helpful during that time, was pivot. And if you really have to pivot and figure, I'm going to do this differently and that differently. And as I say, there was a result of it now. I look at it as have just really both of them just have tremendous things in person and virtual have tremendous asset aspects to them that are really important. And one of the things I mentioned in one of my modules is about the silver linings of the pandemic and now kind of the silver linings of the last few years. I would talk about how I drive an hour to see my buddy for coffee, spend an hour at a Starbucks and then drive back for an hour. Now I have a Zoom with him for an hour and I have two hours I get back when I see you later, Scott, take care. And now I have two hours I didn't have anymore wasting my time in traffic. So it, it turned out to be a really, very, very positive experience. So David, how do you measure the success of a speech, both in person and virtual? I would say virtually a lot of it has to do with the chat and sort of the feedback I get because I'm monitoring the chat as I go along. And so you can see that. And then there's a one, I did one for Microsoft week before last, and it was on WebEx, uh, or it was actually, uh, sorry, Microsoft Teams, WebEx was Boeing. And so she cut and pasted all the comments that the people put in their, their chat. Cause I wasn't, that was a chat that she could monitor. So when you see the feedback and yes, you want to get positive and constructive feedback as well. But I would say on the virtual ones, you can kind of see it in the chat. And a lot of times they'll say, David's going to stick around for five minutes after. So I can see the chat. Thank you. Thank you. Great information. Love the gratitude journal, all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so that's been fun. And again, that's the virtual world. And still when push comes to shove, nothing is quite the same as an in-person talk. And I would say one of the ones that is the most probably powerful is a standing ovation. And I get that about half the time. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's so, I, I mean, I literally get emotional 
just even thinking about it because I have all these props. The way I do my talk, I just don't, I'm not a believer in PowerPoint. I just don't believe in it. I don't think here's my thumb drive. Here's my slides. I want to look Brett right in the eyes and I want to see him smiling and going thumbs up. And you look out in the audience, and you see people, they're putting notes on their phone. <laughs> exactly. The double thumbs up. And so, and, but I have these props that I use, I have a little airplane thing and a, a little easy button and just everything. So when I'm saying, thank you very much. And I go to put the props in my bag to leave the stage and I look up and hear everybody standing. So it's just so gratifying. And I walk off the stage and I honestly, truly believe this, that I just can't believe how my good fortune of having the guts, the well wherewithal, whatever you want to call it, the ability to speak, that I was fortunate enough to do what I always wanted to do. Because they say that 70% of the people in the country hate their jobs. And if you ask people about the regrets, you've, many people have heard this, the five regrets of the dying. And they say, I wish I'd led a life more true to myself other than what other people wanted to me to be, to lead rather like their parents. Uh, there's other things I wish I kept more in touch with friends, but there's there's just some that that whole idea. I wish I'd followed my passion. I wish I'd done what I really wanted to do. So it makes such a difference. But that in-person then too, there's the the ability to hug people to take your picture with them. I sign the journals and there's people lining up. It's very gratifying to see that. So that type of thing is is probably the best. But this anytime you get the feedback, and I still I still notice I I still like it when somebody will say to me, well, you know, you you mentioned this or you didn't mention that, and I think great point. Let me write that down. And I'm always learning how to keep fine tuning the talk and even being careful to not say ums to be just really focused and just keep it, you know, that going along at a pace and understanding the power of the pause. That's something I've really learned too. And so I want you to think about these five points. Number one is how gratitude can change your life. Number two, and so forth. So it's really been just an tremendous experience, but I, I try to always take that feedback. Hopefully most of it's good, but some of it it's constructive and keep fine tuning and making it better for the next presentation. So for a, a new speaker, and let's say they're into a, a, a soft topic such as yours or whatever, mm -hmm. what would your best advice be to them, David, for just achieving the level of success that they would like to have as, as a speaker? Good question. I think it starts with something I feel very strongly about. I have these four points that I... It's one of the modules and it's called find yourself. I contend that the most important relationship you'll ever have in your life is the one you have with yourself. Number two, find your talent. And it's very important to know to do what you're good at. If somebody is five foot two and 150 pounds, he's probably not going to be a quarterback in the NFL, but maybe he can be a jockey. And I tell people, make your strengths productive, make your weaknesses irrelevant. So mm -hmm. go to your strengths. I can speak to 10,000 soldiers, but I can't draw a circle to save my life. So I'm not going to take an art class. Next, and this is where it really gets key, find out what you're passionate about. So I would say that to any speaker, what are you passionate about? I got very passionate about gratitude because it helped me so much and really, really delivered the results. Every day when I write in that gratitude journal, it takes five minutes. And I, no matter how good a mood I'm in, how good I feel, I always feel better when I write that last word for the last on the second page, which again takes five minutes. So find yourself, find your talent, find your passion, and that takes you to your purpose. And I think we're hardwired to find our purpose. 
I think that people that really that really think about their life and it goes by so fast. And especially somebody who has the color of hair that Brett and Dave have is that it's gone by fast. And so, so I think finding your passion really, really, what are you passionate about is one of the big things. And then in some of this we've heard before, but it's practice, practice, practice. I can't believe how many times I took my road show on my little books and things like this in the trunk of my car and went to this rotary club out in the middle of nowhere and this chamber of commerce and this lion's club and this Kiwanis. I went to a prison not far from here and I went to hospitals and schools and churches and all these different places and then just practice, practice, practice. And that really, and, and then having the passion about it, as I say, the combination of the two, it's like you almost can't help but get good at it because you're doing it and you're passionate about it. And you're always going to be wanting to learn more and more about your subject because the more you talk about it, the more you'll discover and you'll get that feedback you just asked about earlier, which will help you to kind of fine tune it as well. So it's really about the passion, I think, and then the practice that goes into that to really make it uh, the best presentation you can. Now, there are those, David, that say you should never speak unless you're being paid. Now, there are those that say when you're first starting out, you should take any speaking engagement you can get, even if you're not paid. So where do you land in terms of that? Absolutely the latter. I, I mean, there's these people, I guess there's people out there that do talks and, and get paid right from the beginning. I'm happy for them. That wasn't my course of the 850 talks. I have them all on spreadsheets. I would say I should go back and check this sometimes. I would say 700 of them were free. Hmm. So I've probably done... 150, maybe 200 paid talks, but 100, but of, of those that were paid, but that didn't come till later. In fact, that's another thing I should go back and look at sometime is when I got my first pay, because I remember really clearly the first time I got $250 and then the time I got $500 and then it was $750 and it went on up and so forth. And now I get pretty sizable fees for uh, keynote presentations in these big rooms, but this is 10, 11 years in the making. So I don't, the people that can start right out from the beginning and get paid, I'm proud of them if they can do it. But it, the thing that, that I would encourage people that are, are listening to this and anybody that wants to be a speaker is here's the thing about being, doing free. Number one, you're getting exposure. You're getting, you're trying out new material. You're seeing how it works. You're getting contacts for people that can, can uh, listen to you and then refer you to somebody else. You can sell your books and your journals. And so many paid gigs, the term we always use, come out of the free gigs. So to me, and I was thinking how many times I've tried out new material too. And it just kept me, the repetition is how we get good at anything. And just the repetition of going to all those different rotaries, especially rotaries. I've done the Qantas and Lions and things, probably more rotaries than anything else. But it really, it really helped me. And then I think the other thing about it that was kind of the hidden thought is that it kept increasing my confidence because... I remember the one comes to mind when it was a, a big real estate group back in Minneapolis and I decided to go to $3,500. And so we were on a, not on a zoom call. This is before zoom. It was just a conference call with about four or five people and me. And so the lady that was leading it says, so how much would you charge us for this, this talk? And so I'm just sitting on my phone. I go uh, $3,500. And it's, it's silent for about five or 10 seconds. She goes, that's fine. <laughs> I just went like this. 
thank you, Lord. I was I was so excited. But I think to, you have to get the confidence. I'll say you don't have to do anything. Never say you have to, you need to, you should, or you got it. Never start a sentence with those, those sentence starters. But it, it's interesting to consider how your confidence has to match, at least to me, the amount of money I was charging. Now my confidence and my experience level and all those talks has led to the point where I can get a lot of money for a keynote, but most importantly, feel I deserve it because I've taken 30 or 40 or 50 years of information and put it into an hour. Right. And I'm not getting paid for the hour. I'm getting paid for the 30 or 40 years of experience. So I have some other questions I want to ask you, David. Before we do, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Sounds great. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgway.com forward slash freebie. And we are back with the Spotlight on a Speaking Show. And my guest this episode is David George Brook. And you made a comment earlier, David, about, well, I don't, I don't remember the specific comment, but it prompts this question in my mind. Should a person spend their time strengthening their strengths or strengthening their weaknesses? I mentioned, The comment that I mentioned is make your strengths productive, make your weaknesses irrelevant. I am of the belief, and I'm sure there'd be other people too, that would say that, well, I, I need to work on this part of my game. It's not very good. And I think that this idea that I use as an example, I can speak to all the soldiers, but I can't draw a circle. So I'm not going to take an art class. I think it's really important. I think there's so many skill sets and people have natural talents. And one of the things I've always been fascinated about with the speaking thing is it's pretty well known in a lot of surveys that people would rather run down a mall naked than speak in front of a group. You know, and then they, then I saw one once where then somebody said speaking in the front of a group was the first scariest thing. And the second thing was dying so that they would rather <laughs> die than speak in front of a group or something. So I think that it, it depends on what it is. For instance, back to the because I'm the belief, as I said, I think you really work on your strengths and don't worry about your weaknesses. I just I know what I bring to the table. I know I can do things well. I can impact people. I coach people. I speak. I've managed people in these big stores and it's really like five or six hundred employees. And I really learned how to manage people effectively. Well, that's my strength. But again, back, I'm not good at art. I guess if I really wanted to be at art or be a, wanted to be an artist, I guess I could take art classes. But I just think it's kind of a waste of time because if you start with your talent, figure out what that is and then expand on it, you can, you can really probably have a more fulfilling experience. So I just am a believer in just taking, and, and that's where the passion comes in. I've said that several times, but I'll say it again really thinking about what you're passionate about because it's it's so much easier to do something when you like to do it and i think sometimes about i mentioned i look out on lake washington here in seattle and i'll look out at the lake and i just think to myself how did i get so lucky to do this and yes it was scary and yes it was hard to walk away from a big six-figure job and running a big low store at the time and so forth but I've never looked back. And so I think if you can identify that passion, and that's why I think really, I, I believe, long answer to a short question, going back to that, I think it's important to make your strengths 
work for you and not worry about your weaknesses. All right. So let's talk about some mistakes maybe that you made along the way. Bury, bury your soul a little bit here and tell me something you did along your speaking career that you would highly advise aspiring speakers not to not to do, not to make that same mistake. One that pops to the top probably all by itself is looking back. Now, yes, hindsight's 2020. We know that. But looking back, don't quit your day job. I think it's like, I wish I would have waited longer and stay. I mean, as I said, the money I made uh, as a store manager, I wish I would have waited again with the value of hindsight, probably at least a year or two to keep the money coming in, doing the speaking in the evenings, on the weekends, on my days off, whatever it might be. But I just cut cold, cold turkey and just left it and went right into the speaking. Because what happens is, as you can well imagine, is when you put the financial pressure on yourself, it's already enough pressure to learn a new skill. And right. now you want to be a speaker, but not to have to, uh, to worry about how to pay the bills or pay the mortgage or whatever. So I definitely would say that don't quit your day job, work hard and have it be the whole thing. I always sort of use the two is, is here's the regular gig and here's the side gig. And it starts out where the regular gig makes all the money and the side gig does, the gig does this as the side gig catches up and then passes the full-time gig, then quit your full-time gig. I think that's probably the the most. And then I think the other thing, I, I kind of did this, but I just think you can't can't not get double negative. You can't not get enough speaking the gigs. You you need to get as you need to speak. And that's where I don't coming back to your earlier question, Brett, about people that say, should you do paid gigs or do them for free? Every time you do a talk, you get better. And we know about practice makes perfect. But I think I would have even taken more talks and just, you know, if there's two people at the bus stop, hey, you guys want, can I do my presentation while you're waiting for the bus? I mean, it, I would have done things like even more of it because every time you do it, you get better. And I mentioned earlier about, as an example, about not being a fan of PowerPoint. I, I just don't like it. I've seen people just read the slides, they press the button and everything. And so I've noticed Every time I do it, I have a notebook and some piece of paper I put down on the podium and I can see my agenda, but I'm mainly looking at the audience. I'm looking at Brett and I'm watching for the reaction. But every time I do that talk more, I, I don't really even need the piece of paper because I have it so much of it up here and your brain is just firing. Well, now let me mention the story about this and that and so forth. And I'll tell the story about how when I quit and Connor said, that's just super dad, or you just kind of keep going on there. So it, to me, it just, it comes down to just focusing on all those things where again, I keep coming back to the passion thing. Cause as you get really passionate about it, it makes it really easy. And the more you do it again, the better you're going to get at it. So how do people, well, let me let me phrase the question this way. What's been your most successful approach to landing more speaking gigs? Without question, it's referrals. And so that's where I go back to the rotary thing as an example. And I think, well, I'm not getting paid for this. And I'm going to talk, but somebody says, hey, I have ABC company. Do you think you could come and talk to our company? Sure, let's talk about it. Let's have a Zoom call. Let's have a phone call and so forth. So that's been probably the biggest thing and I think there's there's other ways I've experimented with in marketing where, for instance, I do a monthly or excuse me, a Monday a every week video called the Monday Morning Minute. So that goes out to a bunch of people that have signed up for it. So I get speaking gigs through there. Uh, the books, people have referred me to other people. But I would say far and away, the biggest thing is a referral from people that actually see you in action. 
because there's nothing quite like seeing somebody in action. And when they say, and then the thing in that coming back a question about what's something I would do better. Here's another one besides the, um, uh, doing that, which I mentioned about uh, waiting and not having a side hustle or waiting for the extra side hustle to catch up rather is just following through and always following through. Wait, no, oh, you're in Let me, okay. What is it? Let me write this down. Ridgeway. Okay. How do you spell that? Okay. And follow through on every single lead because I can only speak for myself, of course, but I just don't think I've ever been in a situation in these 10 or 11 years where I've had as many speaking gigs lined up as I would like. You know, I always want to know there's about 10 or 12 in the can. And when I get right. 10 or 12, I want 15 and so forth. So <laughs> really following up on the on the referrals to that's probably the best best way of all. All right, David, I want to give you a couple of minutes to tell people a little bit more about what all you do, how they can get involved in your world if they so choose, get a hold of your gratitude journal, et cetera. So the floor is yours, sir. Thank you very much. Well, the main thing is I have a couple of websites is, first of all, that gratitude guy. Uh, dot com is my speaking website and you can go on there and you can sign up you can get my books on there as well you can also sign up for my monday morning minute there's a little uh bar right in the center that gives you access to a course that i've taught that i've taught that you can get for that i also have a coaching website for people that are interested in coaching uh, davidgeorgebrookcoaching.com, which is also another way to connect with me. And you can also go to Amazon and get my number one seller is the gratitude journal. It's called That Gratitude Guys Daily Gratitude Journal. And it's available on Amazon and they'll ship it out to you. And so, but I think also the other thing that I enjoy so much from these podcasts is the connection I get with people. Very easy to reach me. You can reach me at david at thatgratitudeguy.com. And I love hearing from people and getting the feedback and connecting with them. Sometimes they have a speaking gig. Sometimes they want to ask me questions. Sometimes they want to know about uh, uh, whatever, not only being a speaker, but also some of my coaching things as well. But I, I really love one of the things I say in my one of my modules, if you want to help yourself, help other people. Mm -hmm. And I think when I talk about gratitude, it's so much about framing everything that you have in your life, your blessings and abundance and not worrying about your lack. And so I love to help people and there's no strings attached and I'm not going to charge you money, but that David at that gratitude guy, that email is something I get a lot of comments and, and I'd love to connect with people. And then oftentimes that spins into a zoom call and there's just something about knowing that you can pass it on. And I've had, I've had this aspect about having, having had many mentors in my life. And it's also fun to in turn mentor other people. So any of those ways, thatgratitudeguy.com, David at thatgratitudeguy.com, or David George Brook Coaching. Dot com also. So those are all ways. And then that gratitude journal, that gratitude guys, daily gratitude journal available on Amazon. And people really like that because it just, it just totally changes your life. And one quick thing on the gratitude journal in the front of the gratitude journal, it says, if you think about it, it's like a dream. If you talk about it, it inspires you. But if you write about it, it empowers you. And so there's a pretty good, and one of the things is the highlight of your day. So there's a very good chance tomorrow's entry is going to say, I am, I'm my highlight of my day. I am so grateful to Brett Ridgeway for inviting me to the podcast. So it's just, but it plants it in your brain, which is, it's so important to exercise this thing as much as all of this, because you want to both be healthy and strong. Well, I am so grateful to my guest, David George Brook, for being on the Spotlight on Speaking Show today. And David, definitely you should check out what he, all he has to offer. And then as always, I encourage you, if you haven't already, go to 
follow it on speaking.com and register there to be notified of upcoming episodes. You can check out the YouTube channel, Spotlight on Speaking. And as always, I wish you the greatest of success in all that you do. May this year be your greatest year yet. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks. This has been the Spotlight on Speaking show with Brett Ridgway. Be sure to join us every week as we interview speaking industry pros and have them share their best tips for building a profitable speaking business. Until next week, thank you for tuning in and remember to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com so you can enjoy even more great episodes like this one. While you're here, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Spotlight on Speaking show. Until then, our sincere best wishes to you for the greatest of success as you work to build your own profitable speaking business.